Welcome everybody to the podcast today for June 8th, 2016. June 10th, in two days time, will be the start of the European Championships. If you're not European, that's a football tournament where European countries play football against each other. So joining me on the show to preview all that is Euro 2016, the return of Rob Reed. Hello! Back since last time you're on was episode 5, 47 episodes ago or so. Blimey, that's quite a few. Yeah. You've been I, going a while. I haven't given up yet. So... We, we both have a vested interest in the Euros because both Ireland and England have qualified. In, indeed. Neither of us are that optimistic, but uh, there is a vested interest there, that's for sure. England have a better hope than we do. Yes, I would say that, but I would say most teams do, probably. No, I wouldn't say most. England are in, what, there's 32 teams in the tournament now? 24. 24, yeah, 24. England are in, like, the top 10. Yeah, but I'd say Ireland... We're in, the, we're in the bottom winning. four. <laughs> I'd say you're probably bottom four. So I'd say most teams are better, have a better chance than you. Yeah, I, w- I would indeed say that. So I figured the way we do this is we'd run through group by group, talking about each team as we do it. And then at the end, pick a winner. Indeed, indeed. So we shall start with group A, which is Albania, France, Romania and Switzerland. This, I think, is a really interesting group. You see, I would have said it's the, the biggest like dead ringer of the group. I would have said France and Switzerland are qualifying. Romania, outside shot. Albania, not a hope. Well, you've got to remember that because the tournament this year has expanded to 24, you're getting three teams qualifying from most groups. There's six groups, and at, out of those six, four of the third-place finishers will qualify. So essentially, the group stage, most people go through. And that's determined by... How is that determined? I should have done this research. How, how uh, that... Points, then goal difference, ah, and goal then difference goal scored. Be... Goal difference and goal scored is likely going to be breaking those tiebreakers tie more than points, you would have thought. Basically, four points gets you through, almost definitely. And then three points has a decent chance of getting you through. So we assume France and Switzerland are one and two here. Well, France are favourites for the entire tournament, and for a good reason. They've got an incredibly deep squad, especially in midfield and attack. You, like when you're when you're deciding between playing Payet or Martial, you know that's when you know you've got a good team because though they those two players would both walk into almost any other team in the entire tournament. Yeah, I was watching the France Scotland game the other day. It's like Scotland three 0 down at half time. Uh, you know they'll get a bit of reprieve. France are bringing on some substitute. Oh no, they're bringing on Martial and Anton Griezmann. And. It's not just they have great players. Recently, they really started working well together as a team. They kind of ousted the quote-unquote cancers in that team. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's a fairly easy group for them. After, after the, the, the the fight for second and third is going to be interesting, I think, in this group. But um, I think they're, they're going to turn out easy winners of the group. And then their quarterfinal, uh, their round of 16 match is probably going to be quite easy. Because they're play- they're going. If they win the group, they're going up. They're one of the groups that are winners that are going to go up against a third place team. And then in the semi-finals, they're probably playing either Wales or Russia, which aren't particularly hard teams either. So France so, are going to walk through the tournament. That's that's podcast over. France are going to get to the final pretty much by default. And they've got the home advantage. And I wouldn't say final by default because there's a very good chance they end up against Germany in the semis. Germany are a team with the players that can beat anyone. But Germany lately haven't been a particularly good side. Oh, no, no. We'll we'll get to that when we get to them. But um, 
I think they'll waltz to the semis, and that's where it'll start getting interesting for France. Uh, I should probably preface all this by saying my primary method of earning is through sports gambling. So I, I look at a lot of this from the odds perspective. Even though France are favourites, um, there's 7-2 to two in some places, that's about the best you can get them. I still think that's incredibly good value for, for what they are. I think they are not only the favourites, but for me, considerable favourites to win the whole thing. I would have thought 7-2 to two was very generous. People, the, the, the bookies do have surprisingly low odds, I think, for Germany and Spain, which, you know, they're, they're both around the 4-1 the to one or the 5-1 to one mark. So that's kind of bringing up France's odds, um, which is to my benefit because I've got quite a lot of money on it. But uh, <laughs> we're 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 uh, we're ten minutes in or so, and we've only talked about one team. We've got twenty-three of us to go, so we should probably probably maneuver on to the other three in the group. There is, you'd assume, second and third is Romania, Switzerland. It's just a matter of who in which place. Romania are not a good side, but they're really really good at grinding out draws. And Switzerland aren't great either, though. Switzerland are, like, solid but unspectacular. They still have, like, Johan Juru and Philippe Senderos, the old Arsenal connection at centre-back. They're fragile in places. Though they do have Licksteiner and Ricardo Rodriguez as wing-backs, and they're very good wing-back. When your best player plays for Stoke, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of... A, I mean, he's probably not actually their best player. Licksteiner and uh, Jaka, they're, they're probably the actual best players, but... But when you think of Switzerland, you, you probably think of Shakiri and he's really not that great, and he belongs at a Stoke-level club. Well, I mean, Stoke are fine at the moment, but you don't want your best team, uh, best player, one of your best players from a national team to really be playing at like a, a mid-level club like Stoke. Lickstone plays for Juventus, and Xhaka plays for Arsenal, so that's not bad. They'll probably, I, th- I think they'll qualify fairly comfortably, but um, I don't think they'll go much further than that. While Romania, they're they're kind of different. They they qualified undefeated through their group, but they only won five of their ten games. They Look, they only scored eleven times. Yeah, I'm looking at their team right now, and literally the only player I recognise is Costel Pantilamon. Well, they've got Kirakes, who was the centre back at Spurs a season or two ago, and now is over at Napoli. They're, he's pretty good. They're a team who will grind out draws. Over the ten games they're qualifying, they conceded twice which is pretty damn impressive. And that's how they're going to score points. You know, like, they recently drew 0-0 with Spain, which sounds impressive until you see the Spain result from tonight where they lost to Georgia, who didn't even get close to qualifying. Romania, I could easily see them uh, grabbing a draw against Switzerland. Yeah, they should test, beat Albania. Well, their test is going to be whether they will beat Albania because they really aren't very good at scoring. Like... They scored 11 goals in the qualifying, but they were in a pretty easy qualifying group. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Albania game end up nil-nil, and that will be problematic for Romania because two points probably isn't go- is almost certainly not going to qualify you from the groups, and I'm not sure I can see them beating Switzerland. They could grab a 1-0 against Switzerland, but um, they're going to want to beat Albania. It's not a foregone conclusion because they don't have any goal scorers, really. I mean, they were in a group with the Faroe Islands, and they only scored 11 goals with playing the Faroe Islands twice. So it, yeah, it's it's not looking great uh, from a goal-scoring potential. But you know, they they do have that res- defensive resilience, and that does mean if they can get out of the groups, they could 
cause an upset or two because if you're not getting scored against in a in a knockout match you you've always got a chance you can grease it you can grind it out and get to penalties and then you know as long as you're not against germany you've got a good shot well, well greece made a habit of snatching headers from corners didn't they yeah that but not approach. this qualifying campaign because they finished below the faroe islands yeah greece, uh, which... greece have had their time they've won their international tournament by fluke <laughs> Oh uh, man, that was that was a tournament and a half. In a way, I could see this being a similar tournament to the one Greece won, because apart from France, I don't think there's any really, really strong favourite, strong, like, really strong team. You could see this one, this tournament being one where someone comes out of nowhere and wins it, kind of. Because, you know, if France go out, it's kind of anyone's game. So we shall move on to Group B, which is England, Russia, Slovakia and Wales. Just quickly... I, w- I am very interested to see how Mbolo does. He- he's a Romanian player. He- he's a teenager, he's a striker, and he is really their only hope for goals. And this could really be like a, a-, a market for him to burst out on the international scene because the little I have seen of him, he's been very impressive. So one to keep an eye on. No one should break the, the sole rule of international transfers. Never buy a player based on an international tournament. It generally doesn't work out well. England, Russia, Slovakia, and Wales. Interesting group, because, like, Slovakia beat Germany 3-1 the other day. Yeah. So Slovakia are probably a better team than you think, and that means every team in this group is at least pretty good. And they can yeah. all beat each other, like. Yeah, because, like, England, my team, a good, deep squad, very young, and, you know, they had a terrific qualifying campaign from, a, like, a wins and losses standpoint. They were the only team that went 10 and 0 in qualifying but they never really looked particularly convincing a large part of that is that they've got a terrible manager currently roy hodgson is awful there's a reason he got sacked from liverpool after a few months he's bad at tactics he picks the wrong players and no matter who he's picking he will always try and crowbar rooney in that is that's the biggest problem with england because i watched who did they play the other day uh, Portugal. Portugal, yes. I watched the Portugal game, and Rooney ruined that entire team. No matter like how well Rooney plays, if you put him into that team, it just it spoils the entire formula. Well, that Portugal game, we played Jamie Vardy up front, Harry Kane up front, and Deli Ali at Cam, central attacking midfielder. There is no room for Rooney if you do that, but he still played. And I, I watched the game. I still have no idea what position he was meant to be playing in. But he was just getting in the way all the time. And he's the captain, so you know he's going to get picked. And that's a real problem. Hodgson is terrible. We should have got rid of him after the last World Cup. But he's still here. And he's, he's still here because we went 10-0 and in qualifying. So you can't, but, you can't really sack somebody who doesn't lose games. Well, he lost quite a lot of games in the, uh, the World Cup group stage. We didn't qualify from the World Cup last time. I'm, I think we will get out of the groups. I say we. Uh, I mean England. Obviously, you are not a part of this we in this this situation. Although, any support um, will will be appreciated, although not expected. Hey, it's it's our we're we're celebrating. Well, not independence, but events that led to independence. We're 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 companions in our our neighborhood now, rather than adversaries. Yeah, yeah. There's no ill will. Well, there's there's less ill will there now. It's still lingering a little, but you know. <laughs> yeah. We had a football game without a riot recently, so that's pretty much the sign. Which of... is impressive. Yeah. Which is impressive. Wales are a tricky team. 
but quickly before we move on from England, I realise that's the second time I've done that already. <laughs> but uh, Kane is going to be very important to England. I think he's the only really world-class player England have at the moment. Maybe Joe Hart as well, but Kane is really the, the guy. And ever since Spurs capitulated the season, he has played awfully every single game. Like the last three or four games of the, the Premier League season and then the friendlies between the end of the season and the start of the Euros, he has just been bad. And we really need him to be firing if we're going to have any chance of doing at all well. So hopefully he, uh, he decides to start playing well again. Yeah, that's that's a bit up in the air. So I'm thinking like a round of a round of 16 quarterfinal finish for England, but nothing nothing much further than that. So Wales, are Wales more than a two man team? I think Wales are a really weird size because it's tempting to say they're like a one man team because obviously Bale is the star. Well, they're Ramsey um, too. You've got Ramsey as well, but they've got like half a top side. You know that you're taking their top five players and matching them up against say Germany and they're not that inferior but the problem is after those like top five guys it does drop off a lot and you're you're into like okay players yeah I, I rate Ashley Williams very highly and you know they've got some good fullbacks but they probably don't have the depth but the thing about them is they 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 have the potential to be anyone but they also have the potential to lose to anyone. They're, 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 they're the team with maybe the biggest standard deviation in the, the entire tournament. They do have a, they have a solid back line. They have like the likes of Ben Davies, uh, Ashley Williams, James Collins, James Chester, Chris Gunter. They're solid enough players. With yeah, Wayne Hennessy then, behind them, actually. Wayne Hennessy is a, a solid keeper. And then they've got the, the players in attack who can create goals, even if they don't have the consistency across their midfield. They're missing a striker, really, more than anything else. Aren't yeah. That is a pattern that you we're going to be keep bringing up for a lot of these teams because in Europe we're just not churning out enough great strikers. To, um, that's been the biggest problem in World Cups um, for Europe recently. Like striker-wise, there's not a lot there from Europe. South America is dominating the strikers of the world at the moment, and uh, there's there's a couple in the Euros, but it it's it's fairly slim pickings. I think that's reflective of like the footballing philosophy that we're very passing based, very keep the ball in midfield and play it around people rather than lump it up to Jamie Vardy over the top. So we also have Slovakia and Russia. Slovakia are better than you think, as I kind of said. All they're lacking, again, is a striker to finish off their moves. But they'll probably finish fourth in this group, but they have the potential to beat any of the other teams. And Hamzik could cause any team in the entire tournament problems. He's a great player. You see, I'd, I'd back Slovakia over Russia. I think Russia have got more consistency and they they have looked from from what I've seen of them recently in their friendlies they they've actually after a fairly dodgy qualifying campaign they they've started to put things together I I can I think they're probably going to nip third from Slovakia but uh, we'll see we'll see the Russia Slovakia game should be pretty interesting Group C Germany Northern Ireland Poland and the Ukraine a very competitive group this This is I'm I'm almost annoyed by how competitive this group is, because to to take us take you behind the curtain a little, but beforehand we were discussing who our our shock, who we we're expecting for a shock good run in the tournament would be, uh, and you brought up Northern Ireland, and while I agree with them with that point, kind of because they're a really, they're a really good team considering who their players are, 
they play really well together and they're the, the whole is way more than the sum of the parts. The problem is, this group is an awful fit for them. Their, their one weakness is their fullback slots. They're, they're kind of weak to wing play, and Ukraine and Poland are tailor-made to exploit that. that that's going to be a real problem for Northern Ireland, because Ukraine have got tremendous wingers. Konoplyanka and Yarmolenko are, you know, they're, they're two of the best crossers in the world. And I think they're going to cause real problems to Northern Ireland. Germany uh, should do the same with the likes of Draxler and Goza. Well, they'll go, they play Goza down the middle, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But... If they, they usually play Muller, Draxler and Ozil in behind, which mm -hmm. is nightmare for any... Defense. I mean, Goza might not even start, but... Yeah. <laughs> the German midfield is kind of a minefield for predicting who's going to start because they're, they're very deep in midfield. And yeah, Poland, they're... Poland have got Lewandowski. And if there's one person you don't want to have in the box if you're weak to crosses, it's Lewandowski. And we're talking European strikers being shaky. Lewandowski is the best striker in Europe. Yeah, he was the top scorer in qualifying. And he he basically single-handedly uh, ran Germany close. in Because uh, Poland and Germany are actually in the same qualifying group as well. And uh, I think Poland only finished two... two no, one point behind Germany in the end, and Poland really only have one player. That's, hey, that's because we had a winning record against the Germans, drawing a win against the, the world champions. Uh, the German midfield, there's like Kadir, Schweinsteiger, Ozil, Schurle, Draxler, Emmerkan, Toni Kroos, then Goetze and Müller as well, who are who could play further forward if they wanted to, but they tend to play them in attacking midfield roles. Pick four of them. <laughs> well, five, maybe. I think they should play Müller further up because... Striker-wise, they are very, very shallow. They have Mario Gomez. That's pretty much the only out-and-out -out striker they brought. Like, Mario Gomez, the the one weakness of Germany is that they're lacking in an out-and-out -out goalscorer. Well, one of the main weaknesses, anyway. Some people are saying Gomez is it, because he scored 28 goals for Besiktas this season, um, over in the Turkish League. Here's a stat for you. Demba Barr, the season after he, he was released from Chelsea, because he wasn't that good... Went over to Besiktas and scored 26 goals. 28 goals for Besiktas doesn't mean you're a great striker, you know? And it wouldn't be preparation for an international tournament. Spending a season going up against Turkish defences isn't the best prep, you know? And if you even, I think Podolski scored 10 goals in Turkey this year. And no one would be like, oh, Podolski's a good striker because he's, he's not. <laughs> he's all right. No. And he's not even an out-and-out -out striker. I think he's at his best at wing, uh, that on the wing. But uh, yeah, they're they're not great striker-wise, but they they have enough quality in midfield that you can't discount them. And that's why they're they're second favourites betting-wise, anyway. And their other problem is very similar to England, actually. Germany have lots of similarities to England in, in many respects, uh, both as a country and as a football club, but their team is trying to, like, integrate new blood in, because a few years ago they were top of the world. They're kind of getting a bit old now, so they're trying to bring in the new guys, but they're not quite meshing too well, and the manager really isn't that good, and he keeps picking an old guy who probably shouldn't be in the team, in Bastian Schweinsteiger. Would you start Schweinsteiger? I think they're going to start Schweinsteiger, and I think that's a complete wrong choice with the options they have in midfield. I I don't think he's got the pace to that's going to be able to keep up. 
He'll do fine in the group stage against like Ukraine, but maybe even Northern Ireland because they're not the quickest team. But further on in the tournament, Schweinsteiger is going to be more of a liability. He's he's their Rooney. Yeah. So Germany should get out of the group. Though you I never think, know. <laughs> well, I they, think they'll, they'll... they'll finish third at least. Germany will get out of the group. I think they'll at least... Uh, I think they will win the group. I think Poland are good due to their Lewandowski effect because he's great. But they, they're, they're not the right team to exploit Germany. Northern Ireland... Are, are, Michael O'Neill deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with Northern Ireland, but, you know, they're, they're plucky underdogs who probably aren't going to be able to get the best of Germany. And Ukraine, they're one striker away from a really good team because they've got, you know, if if you combined Ukraine and Poland, that would be a terrific team because you've got amazing wingers and then you'd have Lewandowski. But, uh, again, lacking a, a real striker, you're going to have trouble punishing Germany. So hey, even if goes on the... Ukraine coaching staff just pull him off the bench. <laughs> yes, if if Shevchenko in his prime was on this Ukraine team, they could really start hurt, um, start hurt, making an impact in this tournament. But uh, they've got good good centre backs. They've got good um, central defensive midfielders. But lacking a striker, you're going to have trouble going far in the tournament. So I think Germany will qualify. I think Poland will get second. I think Northern Ireland might. They've got a chance of pulling off third. But I think Ukraine will probably pip them because as much as I want Northern Ireland to do well, because they're, they're the great underdog story without any great players, but playing well together. They're the Leicester of this tournament, hopefully. But uh, I think the group is going to kill them because Ukraine are just too well set up to exploit their weakness. Group D, another group that looks fairly competitive on paper. Croatia, Czech Republic, Spain and Turkey. Well... Turkey are really bad. Like you think of them, you're like, yeah, Turkey are kind of good. No, they're they're really bad. They've got four good players, but they play really badly together. They're uncon. They were totally unconvincing in qualifying. Iceland finished ahead of them. That should say a lot, you know, Iceland. And they're very young and they haven't meshed together well. So I think Turkey are finishing rock bottom here. I'll be surprised if they get more than a point. But the other three teams are all pretty decent. Like, Spain are on the down, or, like, at least in a rebuilding period. They're an ageing side, and they're not particularly gelling well at the moment. But they have amazing players, so you can't totally write them off. But if you look at their recent performances versus... Nil-nil versus Romania, and they today... Well, when we're recording, the day we're recording... They just lost to Georgia, who weren't even close to qualifying. On paper, Spain should win this group, but... Because Spain have lost the likes of Xavi. They've... Well, Iniesta's still on the team, but Iniesta's getting old. Fabregas isn't great these days. No Diego Costa. Torres is, is dead and gone. <laughs> but they, they, they've they introduced the likes of Vasquez in recent years, Alvaro Morata. Younger players who are hopefully the future of Spain, but I don't think they're the present. No, no. They're, they're surprisingly low odds. I feel at least they're nine to two to to win it, and I don't, I just can't see it. You know, like they they've always got a chance because you know if you they have excellent players, but as a team, I just don't, I don't think they've got it this year. This no, year, I was going to say they're another team they're lacking goals, but Morata could be their answer to that. They're just lacking resilience, I think. You know, like I think if they go a goal down, I'm not sure they've got it in them to turn a game around. Yeah. I mean, when you go a goal down to Georgia and you can't turn a game around, that's that's fairly indicative. I think they'll still qualify from the group. 
I think Czech Republic could really cause them some tr- um, problems because they, they had a good qualifying, very good qualifying, actually. Yes, they won their group, which is good for Czech Republic, you know, because they're not a team you would particularly think would be winning a group that also had the Netherlands in it. And they've got a very good young squad with a couple of veterans that, that have managed to solidify all the all the youth they've got. And it's a really good balance they've got. There's no, They've got no real weaknesses. And I think they're really a team that could turn... To turn some heads in this tournament, but perhaps they lack a game changer um, who can really like win a game for them. But um, they're incredibly solid, and Thomas Nessid is in really good form for them, and he, I think he's definitely a player to watch. He's he's he'll be their striker for the tournament, and uh, could could end up one of the top uh, goal scorers for the tournament. Um, considering, which is impressive, considering he's a relative unknown. One to three is fairly guaranteed in this group. Turkey aren't getting out. Uh, you wouldn't think so. I mean, they've got Turan, who is a very good player, but I don't think he's going to be pulling off himself. And Croatia is kind of similar to Switzerland in that they're they're solid but uninspiring. They'll probably qualify, but you can't see them doing much more than qualifying. They'll likely go out in the round of 16 or at best the quarterfinals, which is weird considering the players they've got, because they've got some very good players, Croatia. Like Modric, Rakitic, Mandzukic. Those players would walk into most teams, but... Yeah, like Sasserna and Perichic as well. But they just don't... They don't play particularly good football as a team, which they have the players that they could surprise us, because Modric can... You know, Modric is a player who can turn a game, especially when he's got Mandzukic to pass to. But hey, and Andre Kramaric, who did not win a Premier League medal this year. He he did not. Lack of playing. Lack of being at the club. He was out alone. So that's Group D. Yeah, Spain. Spain first. I'm going Croatia third. Czech Republic second. That was a weird order to do it, but that's the order I've got it on my notes. I'd flip Croatia and Czech Republic. I think Croatia will finish second. They've, they've got the better players, but Czech Republic have impressed me. On to what is probably the group of death. Yeah, except unfortunately, us, we're, we're your group as well. Yep, Group E, Belgium, Italy, Ireland, and Sweden. Another kind of annoying group, because I think Ireland are a pretty decent side. We're the oldest team in the tournament, so we have well, experience on our side. They're, they're just not qualifying from this group. Even with three people going through, they're not qualifying here. You see, our, um, our best route through is... Snatch a draw against Italy, who don't tend to, you know, try and put teams to bed, and then try and beat Sweden. Like, we're playing Sweden in the first game on the 13th. If we lose to Sweden, it's game over. I think Sweden are a better team than you're thinking. You yeah, think I, of them as a one man team. There are, there were one, I know they beat Wales the other day, but they're a one man team. They're, they're, they're in the process of rebalancing. I'm half Swedish. Um, so, so you're biased. You're revealing your bias. Well, yes, partially, but uh, also, like, they're a team I follow very closely. They're they're always my secondary team. They're in the process of rebalancing. They've got a lot of great young talent coming up. The Swedish team, there's a lot of excitement about Sweden in general at the moment because for so long they have been that one-man team because Latan is incredible player, but we have no one else. We've got, a, we've got like, a youth movement at the moment that, that means that Say in two or four years' time at the the next tournaments, we're probably not going to have Zlatan. He'll probably be but retired by then, but or at least retired from international football. We might not be a worse team because we're going to be a lot more balanced. Um, there's a lot of young talent coming up. We've got Victor Victor Lindelof who plays at well either centre back at right back. We're probably playing at centre back. 
Uh, he's a super promising youngster. Really, really good solid defender uh, at like 21. And you don't get many solid defenders at 21. As John Stones proves. Yes, he was so overhyped. And then as soon as Chelsea went, yeah, we want to buy him. Everton said no. And he went, oh, I've forgotten how to play football completely for an entire season. The English media have gone all in on Deli Alley as well. <laughs> yeah, and... His discipline is going to be a problem in this tournament. We, we should have probably brought that up uh, when we were talking on about England. He, he's easy to wind up, and he's probably going to get sent off at some point over the tournament. You, you poke him, and he'll slap you. <laughs> uh, and that's probably going to happen. But back to Sweden. My, my, uh, my big build-up speech for Sweden to inspire them, hopefully. Uh, Emil Forsberg, le- left midfielder. He's a great crosser. And he, he is like the perfect person to play with Zlatan because he is great at crossing and he's, he's going to be, he's the assister of the team. He's really good at giving it to Zlatan in good positions. And then Zlatan, when he has the ball in good, uh, good positions, he doesn't shoot, he goals. Oh, that's very confident. That, that's, that's like a saying in Sweden. It doesn't quite translate as well into English, but, uh. It it, it kind of works. It kind of works. I thought you're, you're more excited about Sweden's hopes in this tournament than you are England's. Oh, well, no. I don't think they'll do well, but I think this will be an, a very interesting tournament for them and hopefully um, uh, them moving towards a more balanced team because being a one-man team, supporting a one-man team is kind of not that fun. But he's he's really solid. Um, Hills your mark. One to watch. Plays for Palermo. Really solid, great passer, breaks up the play, and is really helps us be a solid defence. And our centre-backs are pretty decent. Um, I've already mentioned Lindelof. Uh, we've also got like the veteran, uh, which I really can't say uh, because I've completely forgotten to, how to speak Sweden, Swedish. Because I used to know how to speak Swedish. Fluently. Until I was about six. Yeah, because I, I lived in Sweden briefly. Kind of stopped speaking it completely, and I've managed to forget an entire language, which in many ways is quite impressive. That is quite impressive. Um, in, in Group E as well is probably the best team on paper in the tournament, but they're a very confusing team because they're not a very good team. Belgium. Cutting me off from my Swedish diatribe. Yeah, you're going too long on Sweden. Moving uh, on. We're, we're well set up to, to utilise Latin. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Lukaku, Hazard, De Bruyne, Fellaini, Axel Witzel, uh, Thongen, Alderweireld, Origi, Mertens, Benteke, even like Courtois and Mignolet are two very good goalkeepers. They're on paper the best team in the tournament. Belgium, I was more bullish on them for the World Cup two years ago, which doesn't make sense because they're a young side that should be getting better. But... The problem is they haven't really shown and they didn't really gel at all in that World Cup. Even though they made, what, the round of 16s or the quarterfinals? I think they made the quarterfinals, but you might be 16. But But they didn't really show any signs of developing in the two years since. The best they've ever looked is when in that World Cup qualifying. They were excellent in the World Cup qualifying and then had an okay World Cup at best. Haven't been convincing in Euro Euro qualifying. And they have had players who've regressed over these last couple of years, which they shouldn't have had because they're a young squad. But Hazard like, in particular. Hazard. In the last three or four games of the season, he looked closer to the old Eden Hazard then. And he has looked good in these recent friendlies, so he might have hit form just in time for them. But also Benteke, Morales, 
Fellaini, all have got worse in these last two years. Morales so much so that he's not even on the plane. Yeah, yeah. And then company being injured for them is a big blow because they've got a very strong defense with him. Um, company out of IRL, Vertonghen, Vermalem. But without him, they they always look super shaky. They're, they're very similar to Man City in that regard. Company like makes that defense, and without him, they struggle. Belgium, on paper, have a better team without com- uh, a better defense without company than City do. Vertonghen, but... Alderweireld, and Vermalen are all solid defenders in their own right. Fernando and Sanya and Clichy aren't. I think Demichelis is okay. Demichelis is terrible. He's slow, but he's he's okay if you if he's paired with a quick partner, but he doesn't have one. Zabalet is good. Zabalet is solid, but he's getting old. Problem with City's team as a broader thing, but that's this isn't the Man City podcast. This is the Euros podcast. I think now you're you're gonna get at me for for bigging up Sweden again, but I think a companyless defense is something that could suffer versus Latin. I think Sweden versus Belgium is going to be a very interesting game and potentially a lot more even than you might expect. It's also the last game of the group stages, so could be a lot riding on it by the time they get to it. Ireland might be relying on them doing something. I'm not sure which way would help. Probably a draw? I think a draw. Everyone else drawing all of their their games would probably be best for us. If every match was a nil-nil draw in this group, I would you qualify? I don't know how that would work. You'd have a coin toss at qualifying, but three out of four spots would qualify. So, no, three, two out of three, four, because you wouldn't qualify with three points then. But that's not going to happen, so ignore my random rambling. So on to the most important team in the tournament, the Republic of Ireland, who lost already... to Belarus 2-1 the other night. Yeah, I've got a lot of notes for a lot of teams in this, but Ireland, I've just got going to struggle in this hard group. Because Um, we qualified for Euro 2012 and we got wholly embarrassed on every level. Yeah, that was was kind of awkward to watch because I... you have the you had the best fans in that tournament. We were so enthusiastic about how bad we were. <laughs> I, th- your fans were tremendous, but your team were awful. Ah, oh, dear. Um, are you any better now? I think we're we're somewhat better. We're less negative. I think we're more willing to try and be a half decent football team. And I think if we go behind, we're more likely to be able to do something about it. But. Uh, we didn't concede many goals in qualifying, which is pretty solid. We had a winning record against Germany in qualifying. Fair enough, we only kind of qualified because Scotland fell apart, but we'll take it. We're relying on Shane Long and John Walters, who are handy strikers. Shane, Wal- Shane Long and these uh, cause people problems. Walters, I'm, <laughs> a handy might be a little generous. I, I hate John uh, Walters, but he scores goals for Ireland. I literally, I have a thing about how much I dislike John Walters, but he does score goals for us, so I, I, I can't. I'm not sure he will in this tournament. If you're in a different group, I'd say you have a chance of qualifying, but the see, thing is, our, Belgium our best... have a chance of being awful. As good as their players are, Belgium have a chance of being awful, and if they are, then you could sneak something from them. Sweden are very variable, because as much as I've been bigging them up, if Zatan doesn't perform, they're entirely beatable. You see, that, that's the thing about this group. It is... On, in theory, a group of death. But I think all the other three teams are beatable. We haven't talked about Italy yet, but I'm very high on Italy. So, yeah, and Robbie Keane is injured. He won't be playing against Sweden, I don't think. Is he still your, your big hope for goals? I think Shane Long more than him would be. Shane, Shane Long's very good. 
Shane Long will always cause people problems, which is our best bet. He's like a nice Vardy in many ways. Yeah. He he's he runs a lot and causes defenders to to get nervous because he's always next to them when they've got the ball. Once we don't play Gwen, Glenn Whelan and James McCarthy in the same team, I think we're better off because they're the same player and they do the same thing. So we end up being very negative when we do. Yeah, we're not terrible. If we don't get embarrassed, I'll be happy. If we're at least competitive and lose, I'll be okay with that. You, you've at least got the excuse of it's a very hard group. It is. Thank you. And if we got embarrassed against freaking, we'll move on to group F in a F moment. Soon, but, uh... Austria and Hungary and Iceland. If we got embarrassed against them, we should just give up on football. In Group F, I'd, I'd say you'd have a decent shot at qualifying, but yeah, uh, this this is a, a nasty group and not particularly well suited to your team, I don't think. We'll we'll be grinding. We'll be trying to grind out results. Italy. Yeah, I'll be behind you. I'll be behind you. Italy have a, a an under the radar solid team. Yeah, I I really think they're being slept on to win because Betfair today were offering 25 to 1 for them to win that's absurd because like they still have the likes of Cellini and Buffon you know experience and then they have Pele El Serrari Daniela Daniela De Rossi Immobile Insigne there's gold in that team as well which is unlike an Italy team I think they're probably the team I think are probably the second best in the tournament in in my mind maybe that's going a little too far but Obviously, France, uh, I've, I've said, are my favourites, but Italy are very good. They've got, and they've got depth. Yeah, got I, depth. I can continue to name players. Darmian, Scigglio, Bonucci, Thiago Mata, Florenzi. Immobile? Immobile? I, I did say Immobile. Pelle? Pelle, yeah. I've already Wait. listed the strikers, Rob. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, they have depth. They have quality. Say they Bonucci? have experience. They have Bonucci. They kind of have a bit of everything. They're, they're, I have money on them. Not because I, I think they're going to win, but I think they, they have a better chance of winning than their odds. And they're really being slept on. They I think they may have the best defence in the entire tournament. I think Bonucci's probably the best centre-back in the world at the moment. So, you know, that's that's a great trait to have. They have a tricky group, but I think they're really well set up to qualify from this group. I think Belgium don't play well enough together to break them down. Sweden don't play well enough together to break them down because they need to... They need room to get it to Zlatan in room. We'll, and tear, we'll tear them score. apart with Robbie Brady and James McLean. Interestingly enough, I think Shane Long could be the biggest threat to them in the group stage because... Case isn't an Italian quality in general. Especially in this, this defence. They don't have the paciest of defence, especially at centre-back. So, you know, if... if um, if Italy are for some reason grinding something out for a, going for a one nil and um, it's nil nil at eighty minutes and Shane Long nicks something off a centre back, you know <laughs> they could do something there. They could do something. There's hope. We are playing Italy last, and if they beat Sweden and Belgium, they're qualified. So they might take it easy against us. If they've got four points, they're qualified. Yeah. That's so weird, knowing that like you could win and draw and your last game not matter that's like such a non-international tournament football thing but four points is qualifying you from this this group well any group which is weird last but not least group f austria this, hungary iceland and portugal this is a terrible group there are no good teams in this well portugal are one-man team but he's the second best player in the world Aust austria and iceland had solid qualifying campaigns didn't they iceland are a bad team but then they walked through their qualifying group. I think they won their qualifying group, but it was a really bad qualifying group. 
Yeah, and no, Austria they came won. second. They came second behind Czech Republic, ahead of Turkey. There Aust- wasn't a lot in that group. Austria did win their group, though, didn't they? Uh, Austria did. Austria are actually a decent side, but they're not what you'd think of as like, yeah, they're they're the kind of team that should be winning a group. But they went nine. They they went undefeated in their qualifying. They they won nine games, drew one. In a trickiest group, they have Russia and Sweden. Just scoring two, 2.2 goals a game, conceding only half a goal a game. Good stats, good stats. They've yeah, got a Premier good... League winner Christian Fuchs amongst their ranks. Aye, aye. They've got a good and flexible defence, which I think is important. They they can defend well, but they can also chip in uh, attacking-wise, which is going to be necessary because they don't have really any striker, which is their biggest problem. We've said that several times for several teams, but uh, Austria's biggest problem is lacking a goal scorer. But they you don't you don't fancy Arnautovic at all. He's more of a midfielder. He he can get goals though, especially in this group. He'll get goals. They have goals spread throughout the team, which is good because they need it because they don't have like that one big goal scorer. But I do see them as potentially the and one of the other big surprises of the tournament um, because they're a, they're a good solid side. Lacking in a goal scorer, perhaps. Because, yes, Ornatovic is decent, but he's probably going to score, at tops, three goals in the tournament. Probably more like one or two. But I wouldn't be shocked to see them beat Portugal and win the group, to be honest. Well, yeah, Portugal are, are poor. They're Portugal. <laughs> Did, you said you watched them against England. Is England played awful? awfully against them. That England were terrible. Good. To be fair, Ronaldo isn't play, wasn't playing. And Portugal were a one-man team, and they were playing without their one man. Obviously, they're going to be a different team when Ronaldo's on the pitch, but that really does show how much of a one-man team they were. Because, you know, if, if you can't beat an awfully playing England side, that's not, that's not good. If Ronaldo fires, they've always got a chance against any team, because Ronaldo can win games on his own, but he's going to have to. And Hungary could at least make records in that if Gabor Kirai plays, he'll be the oldest player in tournament history. So there you go. Which is kind of all they're looking for because they're not particularly good either. They've got their solid-ish defensively, but they they really don't score goals. I would be... If they score more than two goals in the entire tournament, I'll be surprised. Actually, in fact, if either Kirai or Gibbon play, they will be the first players to be over 40 and play at the Euros. There's some nice little stats for you. Old men playing football. Uh, and it's annoying that, like, Hungary have a chance of qualifying. That that kind of annoys me. Because of how terrible the group they got was. Yeah, and you've got, and then you've got, like, both islands, really. Especially Northern Ireland. Republic as well. They, they, they're way better teams than Hungary. But they're less likely to qualify because probably one of the two teams between Iceland and Hungary are qualifying unless they draw. Because the way the... Groups are qualifying. Three points gives you a pretty good chance of qualifying. So as as long as Hungary and Iceland don't draw against each other, one of them has a good chance of qualifying. And they're both bad. Iceland, they're a bad team. Aren't Iceland Wait, considered... Did Iceland bring Gudjansson in the end? I don't think they did. Oh, but, no, uh, he's in the team. They brought Eider Gudjansson to the Euros. I suppose we brought Robbie Keane. What can we say? I mean, they, they've got a tiny population, so you can kind of forgive them. Don't uh, they have the most, like, astroturfs per person in the world? I, I can't say I knew that fact off the top of my head, but yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure. That, then they have Gilfie Sigurdsson, who is a good footballer. Yes. Only, the only way they really score goals is Gilfie Sigurdsson free kicks. 
Yeah. Because he's very good at free kicks. If he they get a couple of good free kicks in the group stage, um, and he bangs them in, then yeah, they could qualify. But then they're not good. And if they qualify, they're going out round of sixteen. They have no chance of progressing any further. We, we they run... probably have the worst defense in the entire tournament. Poor guys. I'm sure they're trying very hard, Rob. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just want one of the islands to qualify. Preferably Republic. Uh, well... Just say preferably Republic, Rob. But, but Northern Ireland are the better team at the moment. We're moving on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we Would you agree with group... that? Would you agree? I'll, I'll force you into to, to a, to a statement on that. Who do you think is better at the moment? Northern Ireland or Republic? Oh, it's Northern Ireland. There's not actually a question about it. But <laughs> shut up. <laughs> We've run through all the groups. Who do you think will win? We, we've both kind of showed our hands on this one. Um, France. 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 They number have the best two. Who's your the number bottom. Two? They're at home. They have an easy enough path to the semis. Well, they, they've got an incredibly easy path to the semis if things pe- uh, pan out how you think they would. Their hardest path would probably be facing Sweden in the, in the round of 16 and then Wales in the quarterfinals. And like when that's your hardest path, it's pretty easy any surprise uh, we talked about surprise packages yeah, i hope, should, I hope northern ireland do well because northern ireland are plucky and rootable for yeah if they weren't in such a a, a a hard group that's so well set up to exploit their weakness of being vulnerable to crossing i'd, I'd be supporting that but I, I think they're going out in the groups unfortunately italy are probably who, who are your number two team i've already said italy are mine but who, who do you think is going to come uh, other than france who's your favorite that's tough because there's no real standout team that you're like, oh yeah, I'd probably go with the Germans just because I think they'll show up to a tournament. German Germans rarely, you know, make a balls of things in tournaments. And then my my uh, my plucky underdog would be Austria. Uh, yours is Northern Ireland. Well, yours is all, mine is us, but that that's optimistic <laughs> <laughs> thinking. I've kind of again played my hand already, but what do you think about the 2014 setup? I'd like letting more teams in. Mostly because we qualified because of it, but <laughs> and we wouldn't have qualified otherwise. But I, I, I the more the merrier. Why not? I... You look, you look up and down the tournament, and there's not that many outright terrible teams that have made it. It's not like there's a Pharaohs in here. No, no. So do you? Why not? I like, I like it in a way. I think it makes it unneat. Is that a word? It, it unneat. Messy. I'll go with messy. Uh, not the footballer. Uh, it makes it messy for like. Some third place teams to qualify and others not. Yeah, there there might be a better way of doing that. Yeah, but a thirty two would be too much at the moment. Um, would it probably be easier to do three team groups? I don't know. Uh, it. You know, siphon the, off a team from each group and form another two groups. Yeah, would that that could work? I guess. But then three team groups is very few. Yeah, that's two games. Basically, You're yeah. going to get a lot of ties there in groups. Ties in standings. That's probably the best way to do it, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the other benefit is it it means that for the better teams, you, you have a chance to kind of screw up qualifying and, like, get into your stride because you could kind of... The better teams are going to pick up three points, even yeah. if they have a disaster of a group stage. You can afford a loss in this tournament now. Like, England were awful in the World Cup two years ago. They, they made a complete hash of it in the group stage, even though we were playing decent football leading up to it, and then we just kind of ballsed it up in the group stage. If this was, if we were in this setup, where third place 
for the most part, qualifies. We'd have, I think we'd have qualified. Maybe. I think we got three points that year. Maybe that's me over-remembering. But, um, yeah, you can walk three points, and then it's going to mean there's more good teams left when we get to the knockout stages. Good teams who have, you know, got their dodgy start out of the way. So hopefully more good teams versus good teams playing good football, which is, you know, from a neutral perspective, which neither of us are. Um, but that's what you want. That's a nice note to finish up. Also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've killed you. A nice note to finish there. But uh, it also gives some of the, the, you know, the Northern Islands and the Republic of Islands of the world something to hope for. Because in that group, they'd have had no chance getting second. But third is... Yeah, it's it's almost doable, you know? And that's a so nice note to finish <laughs> There's another nice note. There we go. We have a small bit of hope. Before we go, plugs. If you like wrestling, voicesofwrestling.com for stuff. Including the Brit Rise Rouse table. Yeah, yes. Which you're back on again? You haven't been on it in a while. Uh, yeah. I was off for two months and I almost completely forgot to podcast. Yes. recorded last night and I was bad. A lot of editing required on that one. But this isn't a wrestling podcast, so I will stop talking about that. You can also follow me on Twitter at the R Double T H E R D O U B L E. And listen to the weekend show because that's like my third plug for things. It's amazing. It is. I'm um, honest, so I'm slightly biased, but it's amazing. <laughs> It's a lovely show, but if you're listening to this, you're probably already listening, so that's kind of a stupid plug, but I've got into the, the habit of plugging it now. Good. Good. Thanks for coming on the show, Rob. Thanks for having me. Sorry for going so long. I'll edit it down to like 20 minutes. <laughs> you just cut all my Sweden talk out. So. Yeah, no Sweden. <laughs> you can listen to new episodes of podcasts today every single day on soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can also, as Rob just mentioned, you can find the weekend show there every week, every Saturday, give or take. You know, I tug my collar. <laughs> you can be on the averages to Saturday. Yeah, we, we, I think the last two have been on Saturday. So, you know, close enough. And before that, you were like a, a Monday and a, a Thursday or maybe a Friday. So that, that's kind of getting towards Saturday. Yeah, more or less. You can find me on Twitter at GaryKidney, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. You can slip into my DMs if you want to come on the show. I make my DMs public, which is dangerous, but I did it. Thanks for listening. Can I just say Fire how away. brilliant you are when you say the letter R? Can you, can you just say it one more time? Or. It's lovely. It's lovely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye-bye.